0: Hi, this is the Quantumer podcast episode 5, brought to you by your host Frank Wesley, connecting the worlds of restructuring, turnaround and insolvency, presenting you with insights, stories and ideas from the industry that helps to put businesses back on track. Quantumer is a niche practice that specialises in advising a wide range of clients, now with eight locations. We are one of the fastest growing firms in the UK advising in this sector. We're here today to talk about a hot topic, the franchising sector, the challenges facing franchisors, and how this impacts on professionals in the restructuring and insolvency sector. I have with me today Jane Massey, who is a Solicitor and Director at Owen White, the long-established law firm based in Slough. Jane deals with a wide range of company and commercial matters, including buying and selling businesses, drafting commercial contracts... Including distribution and agency, advising shareholders of private companies. She heads the franchise team at Owen White and has in excess of 25 years' experience of advising franchisors in the development of their franchise networks, including drafting franchise agreements and master licensing agreements, and acting in the sale and purchase of franchise businesses and intellectual property matters. Jane regularly speaks at franchising. events at seminars and conferences, and also writes articles on various aspects of that sector. In March 2011, she was also elected the legal affiliate representative on the board of the British Franchise Association. So, Jane, there's plenty to debate, and let's get on with the show. Tell me a little bit more about your background, and maybe one or two interesting things that you're working on at the moment.
1: Well, hello, Frank. Um, More about my background. Well, as you were uh, reading uh, my uh, biography, I realised that it was actually in excess of 30 years experience in franchising. Uh, Time really does fly when you're enjoying yourself. Uh, The the one fascinating thing about franchising is it's so diverse. Um, The businesses we get to deal with, I suppose a bit like insolvency, uh, cover a very broad spectrum. At the moment, one of the boom areas is domiciliary care, which is private um, care for people in their homes um, to avoid going into uh, the care sector in retirement homes. Um, we act for uh, probably what i describe the Man United and the Chelsea of that sector, both the franchisors who are... The glory hunters in the sector. The glory hunters in the sector. In the sector. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fascinating sector. It's a growing sector. Um, and it's one which combines... Um, obviously, there is a, 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 a good, sustainable business, but it's also something I think that's very worthwhile. And some of the franchisees get a lot of... Um, Uh, benefit from from being involved in a business which is really doing good. And on the other side of the spectrum, we we act for a number of people in the fitness world. Um, Gyms uh, continue to be of great interest to people as investments, and the fast food sector um, seems to grow continually. The nation's um, fascination with pizza, uh, dunking donuts, and uh, various other uh, fast food goodies uh, never ceases to um, uh, surprise me. So, yes, it's a varied industry and, and there's a lot going on.
0: Yep, that's great, James. So, uh, opposite ends of the spectrum fitness and donuts. Anyway, so part of this podcast is to discuss the current climate for franchisors particularly following now that the sector has had time to acclimatise to the referendum vote for Brexit. I don't know about you, but no one I had spoken to since that time expected to vote to leave, and we've all seen the uncertainty, both political and economic, which has followed. That being said, what I've seen on the internet shows that the last British Franchise Association survey paints a very positive picture of the sector. The contribution to the UK economy exceeds £15 billion, and with nearly 700,000 people employed there. So how do you see the high-level business or economic climate at the moment for the franchising industry?
1: Well, I think that franchising does surprise people as to uh, how how large it is. There are um, said to be in excess of 900 brands operating currently in the UK. I agree with you that I don't think uh, Brexit has done the business community, uh, including the franchise community, any favours. The key thing is uncertainty, nobody's really certain what's going to um, happen and particularly areas that I've mentioned before, domiciliary care and fast food, do rely on a lot of their employees coming from from Europe Um, and that is something which is concerning franchisors. Where where are we going to get our labour supply from? We've also uh, got the idea that people are high in employment means that people have to make a real decision to jump into uh, self-employment, which is what franchising offers them. So there's there's strengths and weaknesses uh, the economy um, presents, but um, I don't think Brexit is something which is going to be resolved any time soon. So we're just going to have to get our heads down and, and carry on regardless. I think.
0: Thanks, Jane. That's good. So having advised hundreds of franchising clients over the years, you'll agree no doubt that the franchising agreement is key to structuring a successful business relationship. So looking at this again from the franchisor's perspective, how do you think the franchise agreement should protect their interests?
1: Well, the franchise agreement is the foundation to the relationship. Um, People may think that a legal agreement is boring but actually it is uh, where the rules and the responsibilities between the parties are set out. And if you're the franchisor it's very important to understand that you are licensing third parties to use your business system and most importantly your brand. So it's important that that agreement clearly sets out the rights and responsibilities of the parties uh, and in particular the obligations on the franchisee to operate the business model in the way that you want it to be operated. There should be um, clearly defined restrictions on what they can and they can't do particularly when the license comes to an end and a procedure uh, specific for the business concern sometimes when uh, the franchise relationship breaks down which is when people really look at the franchise agreement perhaps you find that the conditions following termination or the restrictions aren't as bespoke to the business as the franchisor would like so this is where uh, a well-drafted franchise agreement really pays dividends
0: okay that's good, I bet that you've seen one or two um, horror stories in the past where the clients haven't necessarily taken the right advice to draft an appropriate um, franchising agreement and of course that's when all the problems come home to roost. So what well, that's an interesting uh, topic and it will open a few conversation doors but looking at the problems which arise from time to time between franchisors and franchisees What in your experience have been some of the major common grounds for complaint between the parties when problems occur?
1: Well, I think like most business relationships, one of the problems is communication or or often poor communication and a failure of expectation. So the franchisee uh, sometimes can maybe not quite understand what is needed in times of finance, commitment, time and effort, what skill set they'll need to run the business successfully. And then they resent the fees they're paying for the franchisor when they don't believe that the resources that are being um, put into the business by the franchisor and the support they're getting justifies the expense. So I think for many franchisees, not taking time to fully do their research, not getting proper advice on what the agreement actually requires them to do and not to do. And to have a full understanding of the commitment to pay fees is not an optional extra the or would be expecting you uh, to pay not just the initial fee, but the fees that run through the life of the agreement. And, and Where problems come is when people feel that they are either paying too much and not receiving enough, or from the franchisor's perspective, when the franchisee simply doesn't do what they're meant to be doing.
0: So do you think the franchisors generally make enough of an effort to explain all of these obligations and responsibilities to their potential franchisees when they're discussing getting involved in a business relationship together or is there more that could be done?
1: I think that is a, that's a very good question and I think there are some franchisors who do it very well. When you've got an established network you can perhaps be uh, more selective about the franchisees you're looking for and, you, and you're not so concerned about you know, building your network so you can make sure that you, you fully explain exactly what they've got to do. For newer franchisors keen to get the numbers coming in, keen to build the network, there is sometimes more emphasis on the sales and marketing side and, and sort of selling the dream and the optimism that comes with a new business venture, and perhaps not always uh, clearly setting out the responsibilities uh, and the obligations. But equally, um, I, most franchisors, and certainly those connected with the British Franchise Association, will be um, promoting uh, the taking of independent legal advice. Because franchisees are not employees, they're not subcontractors. They are people setting up in business on their own. And it's important they take independent legal advice at the outset so they know what they're meant to be doing and and what the agreement is going to require them to do.
0: Okay, thanks, Jane. So, um, occasionally, a franchisor will be faced with a financially distressed franchisee. That happens in all sectors and all industries. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you think that they could best handle that scenario when a franchisee contacts them and basically says I can't afford to pay my bills.
1: Well that is um, a very difficult situation all round and there are some franchisors who having had a bad experience have adapted their systems so that they have regular financial benchmarking, uh, they use software and technology to know what the franchisee is doing and they monitor carefully to avoid that because as I've said previously franchisees are independent businesses. And if they go into insolvency proceedings then as a franchisor often you are simply an unsecured creditor Uh, you may own some key equipment you may um, have the rights to ask the, um, the franchisee to remove the brand from above the door but it does get quite complicated and you don't have control as a franchisor so i think there the situation is you know make sure you do your homework and make sure that you monitor your franchisees and ensure that there is a proper, sustainable business model that they're following, because that's when the problems arise.
0: Mm, yeah. So, how involved does the franchisor get in the the day to day operations of the franchisee to make sure that this doesn't happen? Um, what I'm wondering is what a typical franchisor uh, might do, might say, how they would react. When a franchisee says to them, my, I, my bills are, are, are mounting up, I can't afford to pay, I'm assuming the last thing the franchisor would want is an empty, an empty patch, an empty territory. So would they be um, quite flexible? Um, would they be considerate in terms of trying to see whether there's a possibility of, of turning that franchisee's business around?
1: Well, again, I think it varies very much from brand to brand. But I mean, the number one thing that all franchisors have in common is to protect the brand. And, and as you say, for for public to see a unit closed down or the service not being provided is damaging to the whole network. So some franchisors take the attitude that they'll step in, um, do a bit of a rescue package uh, with a view to turning it around and selling it on to an incoming franchisee. Some franchisors will... Um, Do a bit of hand holding to try and prop up the franchisee, get them into good habits, help with again financial benchmarking, showing them what best practices in the network um, can avoid problems. Um, to expect the franchisor to have uh, financial resources simply to prop everybody up uh, is unrealistic because, as I've said previously, a fran- the key thing of franchising is it's not employment, they're not subcontractors, uh, it's, not a tr- it's not an agency arrangement, they are independent distributors. So it's, some franchisors will perhaps take a more benevolent approach than others, um, but it is important for the franchisees to use... Uh, accountants or other financial advisors wisely while they're running their business uh, and, and take advice early. If, if, they've, if the bills are mounting up, um, then take advice from an experienced professional uh, before it gets too late. And I think that's probably common to virtually every business and not just a franchise business.
0: No, that's absolutely right. So let's consider a scenario where a franchisee contacts his franchisor and says, I'm shutting down this just hasn't worked out the way I expected for whatever reason financially I have made a loss I'm putting it into liquidation Um, I've already taken professional advice in that respect Um, what do you think a franchisor should do then to protect their interests where um, the the business uh, the franchisee business will be closing down or in fact Possibly has closed down, has already gone into liquidation. What, what does a franchisor need to bear in mind to protect their position going forward when the franchisee is, is shutting down?
1: Well, I've literally in the last week or so, had, had that happen to a franchisor of ours, who had a, a franchisee that was in the fitness business uh, that literally just contacted one afternoon to say, We've shut the doors um, and we're in the hands of an insolvency practitioner. Now So that? it was a accompli. It was a bit of a fait accompli. Mm. Um, perhaps if you look back at the, the, the relationship, it, it had been heading in that direction. And I think the franchise all has a learned a lesson. Fortunately, the franchise agreement gave them the right to terminate the franchise agreement immediately. Uh, we were in contact with the insolvency practitioners, um, established um, what, the, what, was, what was happening from the process there and whether or not there was going to be an opportunity um, to, uh, for it to be a, a, a solvent liquidation. Um, the franchise agreement enabled us to require them to take down the signage and to debrand, which was important from a reputational point of view. Um, but it is a, a, a sad situation for the individual involved, because of course the franchise agreement wasn 't just made with his limited company, but he gave a personal guarantee, which is very common in franchising When you use a, a corporate entity to be the franchisee, the franchisor should um, require the owners to also give a, a personal guarantee so even though in this case the company may not have any money, we know that the, the uh, guarantor has got resources. And so um, steps will be taken to ensure that we um, try and recover uh, the monies that are due to the franchise or which, to be honest, are not uh, extensive because they get paid the management services fees monthly. uh, And so a a large debt hasn't uh, hasn't built up. So the franchise agreement has uh, been their salvation. But of course, it's still a sad situation for the individuals involved. And I think the people at head office find it quite uh, upsetting as well to deal with because it's not nice to think that somebody operating your brand uh, has got themselves into that sort of difficulty. So another thing I think they're going to do is sit down and say, well, were there warning signs? Was there, were, there, were there things we could have done? Was there more guidance? But sometimes um, franchisees, like many other small business owners, um, simply you know, can't be told and, and, and won't be helped until it's too late.
0: So it sounds as though the franchisor is taking quite a responsible approach sad uh, situation and in your experience what about the insolvency practitioner or the the liquidator Um, how do you feel that they uh, handle those types of scenarios is there anything more that the insolvency practitioner could do in order to provide um, better feedback or better service from the franchisor's point of view?
1: I think one of the key things is for insolvency practitioners to understand what the franchise how it works and, and who owns what and what the rights and responsibilities are. Um, sometimes um, some some, some practitioners have had more experience and understand that it is uh, a license which once terminated the franchisee uh, has no longer a right to, to operate and it brings a, an instant um, end to the business which then leaves the question of what have they got to sell And the key thing is for them to understand they cannot sell a business as a going concern um, because the license has come to an end. So they could be looking at a pile of assets um, of stock, um, equipment, fixtures and fittings, um, which is a question really, I think, of working with a franchisor to say, have you got a prospective franchisee who might be interested in in taking this over? Uh, I think it's about being flexible and fast thinking, getting in touch with the franchisor to see if there is anything that can be done. Um, But the key thing is to understand the nature of the relationship.
0: So early engagement with a franchisor is something that would be um, of benefit and to try and work together where possible in order to achieve um, the best outcome.
1: Yes, I think an adversarial approach um, is probably just going to put people's backs up, and the franchisor is going to be very keen not to be seen to be a source of finance to prop up uh, that franchise business. As I say, it's not a, it's not an, um, a, a, you know, a company-owned subsidiary or an outlet. But, and they're not a bank. And they're not a bank, but mm-hmm. it is about saying, well, hang on a minute. Um, the franchisor may uh, know people in the industry. Maybe someone within the network is interested in taking over. And I've had that before, mm-hmm. where uh, a franchise. A, a, franchisees come in all shapes and sizes and even in one network you can have somebody who who failed but somebody who's got six or seven outlets and they will see uh, that insolvency as an opportunity to 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 open up another branch so um, it's about being flexible and maybe a little bit creative um, in how you approach the problem
0: so looking for that silver lining yeah absolutely so that's great jane that was a great answer and thanks for that let's close off this podcast now Thanks, Jane, for inviting me to your offices in Slough and your valuable thoughts. It was a pleasure speaking with you, as usual. And if listeners want to contact you and find out a bit more about you or Owen White as a firm, what are the best ways to get in touch?
1: Well, I think probably through our website, um, www.owenwhite.com, or uh, emailing me directly. Uh, My email is jane.massey at owenwhite.com. I'm always happy to speak to anybody um, who is interested in franchising, whether they're a franchisee or a franchisee um, or uh, even a franchisee association looking for help and support. Great.
0: Thanks, Jane. So in closing off, we look forward to the next British Franchising Association survey, which will no doubt reflect how the sector has grappled with post Brexit issues. I'll sign off for now until the next Quantum of Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. And until next time, thanks for listening.